Welcome to Questions That Matter, a podcast of the C.S. Lewis Institute. I'm your host, Randy Newman, and today we're going to Narnia. Well, we're going to uh, explore a guide to Narnia from a great book written by Kristen Ditchfield, who's written A Family Guide to Narnia, Biblical Truths in C.S. Lewis's The Chronicles of Narnia. Kristen, welcome to Questions That Matter. It's great to be with you. Thanks for having me. Now, we've, we've uh, had you involved with our ministry a number of times. You did a, a video presentation for us about Lewis and Narnia. Um, and so this dovetails with uh, some of those things, and we're going to uh, give some uh, references or links to your ministry. You have written so much. Um, <laughs> you've, you've written 80 books, and, <laughs> and I, I think you must write books faster than I read them. And I'm, uh, I, I'm so delighted with the way the Lord has blessed you to be so prolific. You're from from what I see from your writings and your website, you have a deep, deep passion um, for people to find a deeper relationship with the Lord. Yes. So tell us about that. How have you arrived at this place where you sense your, your calling is to call people to a deeper walk with the Lord Jesus? Well, you know, my grandmother told me uh, many years ago that when I was three years old, I used to line up my stuffed animals in front of the staircase and I would drag my cousin and my brother who were in their diapers and plop them down with the stuffed animals. And I would climb up on the stairs and preach to them. Nice. <laughs> I would tell them that the word of God says, um, I've, I've been passionate about Jesus for as long as I can remember, but I also grew up in the church with a strong Christian tradition. And I learned how easily it is for us to um, take that for granted, for our faith to be more of the background of our lives or more of our kind of a cultural thing. It's, it's part of our family and part of our upbringing, part of our community, but not something that we really appropriate on a personal level. Um, sometimes it takes a lot for us to break through kind of all those layers of, of what we grew up with or that tradition and really understand what it means to have a personal relationship with Christ and to grow in that relationship on a daily basis and to overcome the obstacles and challenges that we face. Um, you know, it's not always easy to grow in our faith. It's not always easy to walk with Jesus. And some of us hit roadblocks. Uh, we stumble over, over issues, questions in our hearts and lives and things that, you know, misunderstandings, misconceptions, conceptions and and we get sidetracked or distracted or pulled away. And so um, as someone who has been on that journey and is constantly asking God to bring me back to him and keep me in close fellowship with him, um, you know, I'm, I'm excited to encourage others to do the same and to share what I'm learning along the way. Mm. Yeah, here's something from your website. You say, over the years, I've met so many people like me, people who love Jesus but sometimes feel overwhelmed or distracted or disconnected from him. And, um, you know, you, you wrote this book that we're going to be talking about almost 20 years ago, um, but it seems to me that uh, things have gotten more difficult and we're more distracted. And, and the things we're distracted by um, are, are really disturbing. And so this call to a deeper discipleship is so very, very crucial. Um, I wonder if we can take a minute. Only, only. Let's not go too far on this. But wh why do you think it is that, uh, generally speaking, we tend to have a shallow Christianity, at least in America? 
Uh, well, the, well, the short answer to that that no one is going to like is um, we haven't had enough suffering. <laughs> we no, haven't. Right. Had no enough. one's going to like that, but but I think <laughs> you're right. I mean, it's suffering and persecution and uh, being really forced to grow. I mean, I, th I think that is is changing for many of us, and many of us individually and personally have experienced great suffering. I'm, I'm, I'm not saying, you know, no one individual hasn't had more than their their share. But as a culture, as a, as a Christian church, we've had a lot of prosperity and we've had a lot of um, a, a lot of advantages that the church and the rest of the world doesn't have. It hasn't cost us much to follow mm. Jesus. It hasn't required a whole lot of us. We've got, you know, in our area, we've got five different Christian radio stations and dozens of Christian bookstores. And, and you know, we've got scripture verses slapped on every flat surface. And and it just, it becomes part of that background of our lives, um, not our, our lifeline sometimes. And so it takes personal suffering, individual struggles and, and challenges uh, and corporate uh, challenges, uh, challenges in our culture and in the world to help us, um, to force us to realize how much we desperately need Jesus and remind us to cling to him. Hmm. Well, <clears throat> I'm afraid that I think you're right. <laughs> and I'm afraid that, um, that's, that's changing. Uh, the temperature is yes. getting hotter in our culture. So, um, well, let's turn our attention to C.S. Lewis because he he turned our attention to this reality of suffering. Uh, that was certainly a pretty significant theme in his in his own life, um, and he also uh, faced some real persecution um, for for taking a stand for the Christian faith in his academic world there at Oxford. Um, so you you've written this this book, A Family Guide to Narnia, where. Um, as, as Wayne Martindale wrote in the foreword to your book, that um, L Lewis brought things from Scripture and then wove those themes into his Narnia stories. And you've gone and looked at the Narnia stories and shown what those biblical themes are. So it's full cycle. Um, I think it's safe to say L Lewis was so immersed in the biblical worldview, the biblical thinking, that these things just kind of seeped in to the Narnia stories. And in some places, they're so subtle that we could miss them or not feel the force of them. And you've written a great book to help us not miss those things. Um, and I, I'm really grateful for it. What... Um, uh, let, let's just pick one. What What, what is a theme in Narnia um, that is obviously from scripture, but you wanted to make sure that people didn't miss it. You wanted to highlight it and really show the biblical depth behind this moment in the story. Oh my goodness. There are so many to choose from, but you know what? I, I will grab one that just is relevant to, to what we're talking about uh, in our Christian life. Um, two of the later chronicles, the silver chair and the last battle have a lot to say about undergoing suffering, uh, living through hard times, finding your, ch your uh, faith challenged and um, how to resist evil and stand firm. And I think of, of in the silver chair where Aslan sends Jill and Eustace on a quest and he gives them some signs to watch for that will help them carry out their mission. And he tells them to remember and remember and remember the signs, repeat them to yourself constantly. And that immediately reminds me of the scripture in Deuteronomy where it says these, you know, these truths, these commandments that I give you are to be upon your hearts, mm. you know, write them across your forehead, write them on the doorposts of your houses, talk to them. Them, uh, talk about them with your children as you walk along the way. 
live in that truth and let it uh, let it live in you so that you recognize what's going on in the world so that you know good from evil so that you have courage and strength to take a stand and to live a life that honors God. You need to have the word ever before you. Otherwise, as Jill discovers in the silver chair, it becomes all too easy to forget, to be distracted, to be pulled away and to find yourself in, in all kinds of trouble. Mm, yeah. You know, um, there's so many times for me reading Lewis, I, um, I, I certainly felt this way the first time I read the screw tape letters. I feel this way whenever I go back and visit these spots in Narnia. Um, I, I, I've always, <laughs> I don't know, I, I don't want to say I'm deceived, but I'm, I'm lured in with, oh, this is going to be fun. Oh, this is going to be funny. I'm going to laugh. And I get two pages into the screw tape letters and think, oh, this is a lot more probing than I would have liked. Um, and, and I think you have, uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm bouncing all over the place. Your book, it goes through each of, the, each of the books and each of the chapters in each of the books and what are the biblical themes there. And so when I came apart, uh, came uh, to the section on Prince Caspian, my mm -hmm. first thought when I think of Prince Caspian is, um, well, I'm really hoping I'm remembering this right. That, that's that's where Reepicheep shows up, yes? Or is he in the uh, Dawn Treader? Uh, he's in the Dawn Treader. When I get there, I'm I'm reminded, Reepicheep, oh, the talking mouse. Oh, this is going to be so much fun. This is going to be silly. And then it's, oh, wait a minute. There's some really, really serious themes here. And in in Caspian, the theme about... God is in control. God, they're, they're, these are difficult times. There's opposition. Um, there's signs all around of the other side winning. Um, and yet we need to remember, okay, God is in control here. Aslan is still Aslan. Uh, the Lord Jesus is still Lord Jesus. Um, and so, um, uh, yeah, these are children's books. But boy, the depth and the theological richness to them is is really uh, quite quite strong. Am, am yes. I close to remembering any of this? Yes, you know, you're <laughs> right. We meet Reepicheep at the very end of Prince Caspian, and ah, then okay. he becomes a, a central character in uh, Voyage of the Dawn Treader. But yes, um, Prince Caspian. A lot of people would say, "Well, there's not so many spiritual themes." You know, we all know that the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe has the story of of Aslan dying for a sinner and being raised from the dead, and you know, we can see Jesus in that. A lot of people think there isn't much spiritual truth in Prince Caspian, but actually, it's all about uh, again, like Silver chair and last battle. It's all about remaining strong in our faith, in our hope, in our courage, even in dark times, even when mm. we have to go into hiding. I mean, the, mm -hmm. the old Narnians in Prince Caspian, they have, they're forced underground. Uh, they are attacked and oppressed, and they have to find a way to hold on to their faith and to believe that Aslan is coming again. Right? that he will return uh, and they have to find a way to believe and to keep faithful even in spite of persecution and opposition and some of them do and some of them don't and there they are a lesson for us and then of course Reba Chi becomes one of the ultimate examples I think uh, he reminds me so much of David uh, you know a man after in scripture a man after God's own heart that Reba Chi's whole life and longing is about seeking God's face and, and walking in his light in his presence and what a role model for us I regularly talk about uh, all of the resources that we put together at the C.S. Lewis Institute. I want to highlight one right now. Uh, it's our Keeping the Faith. 
and it is a whole library and collection of resources for you, parents and grandparents. It's a whole entire program with courses and materials uh, that have been developed to equip you, parents and grandparents and other caring adults, for intentional discipleship of the children that God has placed in your life. And um, uh, this, we've got videos, we've got articles, we've got study courses. Uh, this is one of the things we've, we've made as a major emphasis on our newly designed, award-winning uh, website. And I really want to encourage you to check it out. And even if you are not um, a parent, um, that you'll check it out and recommend it to the parents that you know, or perhaps use it at your church in Sunday school. There, it's a wealth of things, uh, resources for uh, equipping the next generation of disciples. Uh, we, we think of, um, you know, we've touched on this theme of persecution a number of times, but I think for a lot of us, it's, it's much more subtle and therefore much more hideous it's it's these are ideas that are floating around in culture and they're so dominant and um, and they can really discourage us internally in our own mental uh, ruminations. And so I, I love the fact that there's a, a theme um, talked about in the forward again by uh, Wayne Martindale, where he talks about how how Lewis had a biblical imagination and yes. that phrase is really helpful for me to allow the themes and stories and pictures and analogies in scripture to fuel my own imagination yes. N- not to go um wherever my my own crazy mind or my flesh will go but but to to expand and think about these themes in imaginative ways can you can you speak to that a little bit more Absolutely. You know, it's really important to remember, and and I kept this uppermost in my mind when I was writing this book, that Lewis wasn't setting out to to write a bunch of trite uh, Sunday school lessons, a bunch of cliche bumper sticker, you know, Christian moral lessons that we can, you know, use to to train up our children. He was writing these amazing stories that came out of his imagination. But because he was, as as someone once put it, the most thoroughly converted man, I, he had he his faith was so transformative. It came spilling out everywhere, including mm-hmm. in these fabulous stories. And so when we read them, even though they're fiction, even though they're fairy tale, uh, they give us a, a deep longing for those greater spiritual truths. They remind us they have echoes of biblical parallels and principles. Uh, They can help us understand scripture and maybe even better than we have before. If our eyes are open, if our ears are open, and maybe if we have a little help to point us in the right direction and figure out which of those scriptures he's referring to. Uh, But they're all over the place in the stories. And he set such a good example for us. You know, we don't have to be preachy to preach the gospel. We don't have to be screechy in the way that we Mm -hmm. proclaim the truth. We can use imagination and art and culture and story. uh, And in some ways that helps us more than ever to understand and, and have our faith come alive. Well, you just you use the phrase "a little help." We just need a little help. Well, um, that's what your book is, except that it's a lot of help. It's not. It's not a little. <laughs> I mean, you've really and and you've written this as um, uh, it, well. It's called a family guide. It's it's for parents, right? I mean, well, I mean, it's for children as well too. But it, but it's for parents to how to read the Chronicles of Narnia with your children 
And I want to quickly add, or with your grandchildren. Um, that's the stage I'm at now. Soon to be reading Narnia to the grandchildren. We're not there yet. Right now, we're still reading Green Eggs and Ham by Dr. Seuss, okay. which um, I'm not so sure. There, there there probably are biblical themes, but not as many as are in uh, Narnia. Um, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, wait, now I'm thinking. Biblical themes in Green Eggs and Ham. There are. Yeah, I'm sure there are. Um, but, okay. So, but, so uh, let's, let's, take a moment for you to be a little bit uh, for us of, uh, give us some very, very um, pragmatic helps. How would you hope a parent or a grandparent would use this family guide as they're reading the Narnia stories with their children or grandchildren? You know, that's a great question. And and we called it a, my publisher and I, when we came up with the title, we called it a family guide because we figured it's probably mostly going to be used by families, by parents, Mm -hmm. by grandparents, aunts and uncles. I'm an aunt of many nieces and nephews that I Mm -hmm. love introducing to Narnia. Uh, Teachers, youth workers, you can, of course, you can also use it as an individual. You don't have to have kids or have kids that you're reading the Chronicles to, but but we needed to come up with a title for it. And Mm -hmm. and that's where we went. And, you know, the idea is not um, that you would sit there and read all of this text aloud to your kids or or grandkids or, or youth group. The idea is that it's kind of like, well, we used to call it cliff notes. I think it's called spark notes today. Um, It's kind of like a a quick hit literature guide, uh, but a a biblical scriptural guide that you can use to kind of brush up on those spiritual truths, be familiar with the themes so that as you are reading the story together, as you're talking about the story, you have at your fingertips those scripture references. It came out of an experience I had as a teacher. I was actually reading the Chronicles of Narnia to a bunch of middle school kids. And there were moments when I wanted to pause and say, okay, hey, did you notice that? Did you get that? (laughs) I wanted to point out that spiritual truth. I knew it it was a teachable moment. But I couldn't always remember, wait, was it Jesus that said that or was that Paul? Am I thinking of an Old Testament scripture here? Is this in the Psalms? I know there's a verse that says that. Mm. And it wasn't Mm. an opportune time to pull out a concordance and start hunting for it. Yeah, yeah. So what I did was try to try to put them all together and put them in, in such a way that you could briefly look over it before or after story time or family devotions. Um, you, you could read from it. It's, it's written to be readable, but mostly to give, give those who are sharing the stories with others or, or using them on their own kind of some guidance about where to go from here, how to talk about the story in scriptural terms. Yeah. And, and, uh... That's exactly what your book does. I mean, for each chapter, you have just a page of, so here's a scripture, here's biblical parallels and principles, here are a couple of questions, and then here are uh, some other scriptures to explore. Um, were, there, were there any, as, as you were um, as you're working on the book, I'm sure that you already had lots of ideas of, you know, different parts of Narnia that pointed to different parts of the scripture. Were there some surprises for you when you got to a certain chapter in a certain book and say, oh, I I, I don't think I saw that before? Or maybe if it's not a total surprise, something that struck you with much more force than before when you had been just reading the Chronicles uh, on your own? 
Absolutely. I mean, I, I spent several months once I, you know, I worked on it off and on for several years, but once, once we had the green light from the publisher and we knew what form we wanted it to take and I was sat there, I mean, I, I spent day after day in the scripture, chapter by chapter. And probably the biggest thing that, that surprised me was how much content there was. I was a little mm. worried when we decided on this format, is there going to be enough in every chapter? Well, there <laughs> might've been one or two chapters in all of the chronicles where it was pushing it just a little bit. Maybe, uh, maybe a, you know, it's mostly a travel journey scene and I put in a scripture or two about our spiritual journey or something. But in many cases, there was so much I had to cut down. I had mm, to focus on the key mm. scripture references. But just to give you one example of one of my favorites um, that, you know, I, I'm not sure I had thought about until I read it again and was really paying attention is uh, from The Horse and His Boy, mm. where uh, Shasta is walking along the side of a mountain and there's a mysterious figure walking with him. And, and Shasta is you know, that appears out of the mist. He can't quite see it. And Shasta is downhearted and depressed and upset and miserable and full of self-pity. And uh, the, the creature beside him says, tell me your troubles and invites him to pour out his heart. Mm. And then begins to tell him how everything, he has completely misunderstood his own personal journey and how every step of the way Aslan has been there for him and suddenly the mist clears and who is it walking beside him but Aslan himself. And I, I'm not sure when I first connected that with the road to Emmaus, mm, good, but I've never good. been able to forget it, mm. how Jesus meets us in our place of discouragement and hopelessness and, and disappointment. And he walks beside us and he helps us to see with new eyes what we've been going through, what he's been doing in our hearts and lives. He walks beside us. He's with us. And uh, what a powerful moment when we can recognize him and, and become aware of his presence and receive what he has to say to us through those moments. Oh, that's so important. I, I, I love that. Uh, you know, I'm, um, um, uh, I'm reading a book now about anxiety that gives you an idea about something I'm going through um, by Ed Welch. And I really hope we can have Ed on this podcast sometime. Um, but he builds this whole a very small book about uh, uh, around that passage in Philippians, be anxious for nothing, uh, but with prayer. And then there's this phrase tucked into that passage, the Lord is near. And I think um, so many times when I've read that, I, I just sort of skim over that. Well, he wants to say, this is the most important thing for you to remember when you're going through fearful times or anxious times or persecution, or you're looking at the surrounding world going in, in some horrible directions. The Lord is near. And um, and I love that. So so reading the horse and the boy, uh, horse and uh, the, the boy and his horse, <laughs> the horse and his boy, um, uh, through that lens, mm -hmm. um, it it shapes the reading of the whole entire book. Um, it does. Yeah. Um, can you give us another one? Is there another can sure. another one that comes off the top of your head? You're talking about uh, you're talking about fear and anxiety, and that's something I've wrestled with in my own life. And and for me as a child, the idea of Aslan's uh, at the foot of my bed, I could picture that more easily um, sometimes than than imagining Jesus sitting there. But it, it was mm. one and the same to me. I I understood that even as a small child, mm. I would picture Aslan um, being there for me just like he was for the children. Um, and there are numerous scenes, but there's one I want to get to. Um, 
there's one where in Horse and His Boy, he's the cat that comforts Shasta in the tombs. And then in Voyage of the Dawn Treader, which we talked about a few minutes ago, uh, if you remember, the crew is on the ship and they're sailing toward this dark island where all of their worst nightmares come true. Mm-hmm. And they're feeling the fear begin to grip them and the darkness mm-hmm. begin to grip them. And Lucy's up in the uh, mast, uh, in the crow's nest. And all of a sudden she, she sees a bird um, that's shaped like a cross an, an albatross that comes and encircles the mast and, and mm. begins to lead them out of the darkness. You know, an albatross is a symbol of Christ. And as it flies around the crow's nest, she hears the voice of Aslan say, courage, dear heart. Mm. And that's a phrase you'll see on t-shirts and every, many of us have taken that phrase to heart. Yeah. Courage, dear heart. As even in that darkest moment, he is there and he is leading the way out of the darkness. We just need to lift up our eyes and look for him. Mm. We here at the C.S. Lewis Institute are delighted to tell you um, our newly redesigned website has been given an award. We're an early winner of the Gold Award by the .com Awards uh, Agency. Uh, They uh, hand out very few of these awards for excellence in web creativity and digital communication. This year's competition was had entrants from 2,500 entries or, or even more, designers, developers, content producers. I mean, it was, it was amazing. And we are so very grateful that we were given this award. Uh, we thank you uh, for your prayers for this ministry and support for our ministry. This uh, redesign took a lot of time, a lot of work, and a lot of money. And we would love for you to be joining us as a financial supporter of our ministry for paying for these kinds of things, and also the great materials that we produce and the events that we do. So please prayerfully consider, if you're not a regular monthly supporter of our ministry, we'd love to have you as a partner in that way. Um, Or if it's only uh, uh, occasional gifts, we take those too. But we really need uh, your help so we hope that you can go to our website, cslewisinstitute.org forward slash give. Thanks. And I think what Lewis does so, so very, very well in these books is he, he creates moods. So he doesn't just tell us they were going through a scary time. It's he creates this scary time. He he immerses you in it. And so when deliverance comes, it's this sense of, oh, oh, good. Uh, oh, we needed this. Um, mm-hmm. we, we needed this provision from the Lord of escape or confidence of his nearness. Um, that's that. Well, that's what fiction does. Fiction helps mm-hmm. us. Um, uh, step into not just the truths, but um, the flavors yes. of those truths. Um, and so these these books are so powerful for that. Um, can I ask you th- this? Um, so what are some biblical truths that you talk about in this book that you really hope um, people take to heart? Because um, generally speaking, they're not taking these biblical truths to heart. So are are there some that you think this is really a big deal in scripture, but I don't think it's a big deal in a lot of Christians' lives? Wow, that's a great question. And 
and it's hard to answer um, only because our world is, we are in the middle of a lot of transition and change. Mm, mm. And so my answer maybe two years ago would be very different before the pandemic, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, the kinds of things that we're wrestling with now. Um, uh, yeah, let me think about that. But I, I guess, um, I, I think that what's a constant regardless of what is changing in our world around us or what is changing. I mean, you and I are experiencing this. We're going through different things in our lives now than we did 20 years ago or 30 years ago. Um, we're facing new challenges and some of them are the same old, same old, uh, but with new twists and some of them are new and different as we get older. Um, but something that's constant is that assurance of God's presence. Mm. Uh, I think the importance of staying in his word, of finding ways to hold on to our hope and have courage and not give up not be distracted. Um, you know, we see that uh, there's a lot of that in the um, in uh, what I like to refer to as puddle glums profession in the silver chair. Uh, <laughs> the witch is trying to uh, distract the children and ridicule them for their faith and make them believe that everything that they have fought for and tried to hold on to is just fairy tales. And, and puddle glum says, well, you know, that may be as you say, but I'm going to live like a Narnian, even if there isn't a Narnia, right? Mm. And I'm on Aslan's side, if even if there isn't an Aslan. Mm. And he makes this bold declaration that reminds me of the words of Paul, I know whom I have believed in. Ah, he is faithful. And if we can find some of that fighting spirit to hold on to our faith in hard times, I mean, I, I think we'll do very well. And I think the Chronicles of Narnia do a fabulous job of helping us understand what that looks like. Mm. Um, uh, in the book, uh, uh, I, I was not surprised by this, but it did, it did stand out to me. So many of your themes, um, come from the old Testament. I think a lot of people think of Narnia is primarily a new Testament book that <laughs> that's not right. Uh, that it refers to, uh, because it starts with the lion, the witch and the wardrobe. And it's such an obvious, picture of the cross and the resurrection. Mm -hmm. But then throughout the rest of the Chronicles, there's lots of allusions to Old Testament narratives. Um, were, were there a few that stood out to you, um, uh, again, in your writing and then in even in speaking about it these past 20 years about this book, that uh, you, you really want people to uh, engage with, wrestle with? You know, there are a lot of Psalms and Proverbs that come to life in Narnia, um, but I, I think of uh, one of my favorites is the conversation, the confrontation with uh, Rabidash at the end of Horse and His Boy when Aslan confronts the evil young prince, the arrogant young prince who has tried to destroy Narnia and destroy Archenland. And uh, it's, it sounds almost exactly like the conversation that God has with Cain. Uh, ah. He says, you know, sin is crouching at your door. Mm. It desires mm. to master you, but mm. you must resist it. And I'm always confronted with that. We have a choice. And, mm. and very often the, the lion is standing there. Aslan is standing there. Jesus is standing there saying to us, you are, you are in a precarious position. And the choice that you make next is really important. Make the right choice make the right choice. If you don't, there will be consequences. Now, even in those consequences, there is still mercy and grace and forgiveness and a way back home, but it's a long road sometimes. And how much better if we can learn to hear his voice at the beginning? 
Well, um, this is a great resource, and uh, I'm, I'm glad that it is uh, still uh, gaining traction even 20 years after it was written. Um, uh, it's the kind of guide that's going to be good for generation upon generation. So um, I'm, I'm looking forward to using it in my readings with my grandchildren. Um, and and I, I really do encourage uh, our listeners to, uh, to explore this and consider it as a great resource in your parenting or your grandparenting or, or even in, in just your own discipleship, your own spiritual growth. Um, any last thoughts you have for us that you want us to uh, uh, take away from this conversation? Absolutely. Thank you. And, and thank you for all your kind words. I hope this will be a blessing to you and to your grandkids and to your listeners. Um, you know, at the end of the Chronicles of Narnia, uh, we hear the call over and over. There's a refrain, further up, further in. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. And it speaks to the fact that we can never get to the end of God. There is always more to learn, always more to grow, always more to discover about his goodness and his love and his mercy and grace. And we learn throughout our whole lifetime. And what an encouragement that is. I, I want to encourage your listeners uh, today to keep growing, keep walking, keep running toward the arms of Jesus and mm. discover that he has so much more for you, even than you can imagine right now. There's always more to learn, more to discover. If you're willing to hear his call and go further up and further in. Oh, that's a great place to bring this to a close. Thanks so much. You know, I, I, I think for me, um, being reminded of the Narnia stories, um, what, what they do is they, they make things more visible. Um, the spiritual battle can be invisible and we can forget that it's there, but it's really, it's really crouching at the door. And the goodness and grace and love of God can also be invisible and we could lose sight of it. But, mm -hmm. but, but Lewis helps us bring it to the fore, which then helps us really read scripture more alive with, oh yes, this is really the reality that I'm facing. And, and I, I think we've, I've mentioned this a bunch of times on different podcasts, um, but it, it always strikes me um, that we're told uh, in Ephesians 3, Paul prays, that we would know the love of Christ, which is beyond knowledge. <laughs> we would know something that surpasses knowledge. Um, we'll, we'll never get to the full knowledge of it, but we can keep growing in it. Um, and so you've given us a resource that's helpful towards that. Uh, to my listeners, I want to say we hope that all of our resources at the C.S. Lewis Institute help you with that, to grow in knowledge of the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge. And uh, that all of these resources, and we're going to link a bunch of different things in the show notes, um, will help you love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. 